Welcome to Mental Wealth, the podcast to invest in your mind. Here I will help you make sense of your mind and behaviours, giving you the tools to have your best life. There is so much to share, so let's get into this episode and explore another great topic. So welcome to episode 30. And this is our last episode for 2023. And in this episode, we are going to talk about Christmas, but some of the kind of other side of Christmas. So not necessarily the the mince pies and the mulled wine, but maybe some of the reality and how sometimes we have this pressure around Christmas being perfect. And I couldn't have thought of anyone better to share this space with me than my lovely friend, Naomi Victoria. So welcome, Naomi. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here with you. Oh, it's great. And you and I wrote an article together for Cheshire Life, which is currently in the Christmas edition now. And that's why, again, it just feels so right for us, doesn't it, to bring to life that article and what we think about Christmas. But firstly, tell everyone a little bit more about you. So I'm Naomi Victoria, as you've said. Um, Victoria is actually my middle name. Um, I dropped my uh, surname a while ago and fully stepped into my uh, my name of Naomi Victoria when I became an author and wrote my first book. Um, but I say I am passionate about people, positivity and products. I'm a huge lover of life um, and I like to work with people to help them feel good in the everyday However, which way I do that, whether that's working with them um, in education in terms of mental health and suicide prevention or whether it's um, creating products that they feel good to to wear or to, you know, candles that light up life. So there's lots of different things that I do. Brilliant. And we're both sitting here with our lovely hoodies on. I've got mine that says I'm being me and you've got one that says hope. So how beautiful is that? have wearing our hugging our hoodies and they're beautiful because they've got thumb holes and it's quite cold outside today exactly it's proper Christmassy okay so let's just think about Christmas and how it can be such a magical time and it's got so much potential to be magical because of all the things that we tradition tells us or that things tell us but for some it can be so hard, can't it? And I want to just, I want to talk about the good stuff, but I do want us to home in on kind of a little bit of the reality, what it might be like for some people. And then I think let's do our kind of top tips for how to make this Christmas period as fun or as relaxing as possible. So and what I do you like? When you say, it, it, you know, for, for some, I actually think for many. Mm. So I think there's a lot of people, uh, we have a perception of Christmas being all, you know, glitz and glamour and celebrating and um, all the kind of superficial stuff where I think very often most people have um, – other feelings that come up, feelings of pressure or stress or overwhelm or feelings of anxiety um, because we, we 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 get into this period where it's quite forced in terms of uh, the dates and the kind of the run up to the festive season and all the things that we see online. Um, you know, we talk a lot, don't we, about things that are happening in the media. You know, every time you switch the television on, it's, it's like this so-called perfect family Christmas um, of everybody... Um, you know, gathering and having an amazing time. And whilst we, many of us have pockets of that amazing time, most of us have pockets of 
stress, overwhelm, frustration, and, and all of the other things that come with it. And, you know, I don't know anybody actually that I've spoken to that, that, that Christmas is seamless or actually any of life is seamless. You know, we all have, it's, it's all ebbs and flows, isn't it? So I think so. And I think that's the bit that I like to highlight is that sometimes the pressure comes because of the ideal. You know, we, we're trying to make it ideal and perfect and wonderful, but reality is it's really hard to do that because we're all busy anyway. So we're all trying to manage our jobs and our work and our normal life. And then suddenly we've got all these other things thrown in, like buying people presents and decorating the house and buying the shopping and things that just feel so much more. And then I think that pressure around trying to make it perfect is so much more difficult. And then we've got that sort of just that general hassle factor the bit around, you know, what is hassle? You know, you suddenly realise that you've run out of sellotape or something that just is quite small, but actually suddenly stacked up, it suddenly feels like a big deal. And I think, again, we need to pause and think about what actually is going on. Yeah, I think totally. I think it is just that, like you said, like the added, I'm going to use that word pressure again, the the pressure of everything and and the deadline date of why everything has to be done by this date because the shops are closing or the online shopping's ending or, um, and we'll talk about money again in a little bit because I know that's a huge thing for um, for many. But I think it is when we, the lists get bigger, don't they? The to-do list gets bigger. Yeah. Um, and there's just so much pressure, isn't there, always round? You know, we t- we talk about lots of the same thing, but we talk about slightly different things as well in terms of experiences that we've had um, in our lives. And I know one thing I talk about hugely is um, loneliness at Christmas. So, like, the pressure of the perceived, the perceived family life and then actually if you are not in that um, dynamic Um, of of being able to be surrounded by family and being alone of how that actually makes you feel around the festive season when it's almost like rammed in our faces that, you know, that's the ideal. Um, But equally loneliness when you are in a family um, scenario, but you're lonely, you know, people can be lonelier in a marriage, in a relationship than they actually are if they are physically alone so loneliness is something like I talk about a lot and I think during this time of year it's high it is hugely heightened yeah I agree with you there I think whatever your scenario is you know you might not have the relationships in your families I mean that's that's actually part of my story is I don't have the relationship in some with some people in my family some significant people and then at Christmas it just feels really exaggerated that they're not there um, and it might be that they're actually not there from a grief perspective, but or sometimes they are there, but they're not there in your life. And it can feel really horrible, actually. I mean, I've had a few moments of thinking like that myself this year, as I would every year. So I think it is about that per- that perfect ideal and then the reality for so many people. It's just so much harder Uh for, for that, like you say, that spotlight, it's like, oh, now's the time when we all do these wonderful things and have all this wonderful time. And actually, the reality is not that. And I think with relationships, you know, again, I work with a lot of people around relationships. And sometimes the thought of being stuck in with the person that you actually haven't really got on with all year round, but suddenly, 
all the other things are not there. You ha- you're not going to work. You're not getting that f- space. And, and how many people actually uh, are in that position? Yeah, totally. I think I think across the board, whether, you know, I, I talk about like empty nesting and all sorts of stuff, but, you know, you, you know, firsthand, I've experienced quite a lot of loss in my life. Um, I've lost my mum, my dad, my brother. Um, and, and and each year, obviously, that does, you know, I find different ways. Well, we said we'd talk about ways. I, I, I have a bit of a ritual on Christmas Eve, actually, um, where I... Um, I start to prep Christmas dinner and, and things because I go to my sister's for Christmas, um, but I help out. So I kind of do stuff Christmas Eve, but I make um, flower arrangements. So I make wreaths on Christmas Eve for my loved and lost, um, which we then take on on either late Christmas Eve or, or Christmas Day. And that's become a really lovely way for me to kind of feel connected with those family members and, and be able to kind of like light a candle and, and, and feel that around that, um, around that time. So there is things that we can do that help us, help us sort of connect with, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, where we always used to have a family kitty and um, because we had a really big family. So I've got like, I had like my um, dad, my stepmom and half brothers and sisters. We had like a, a big extended family um, and that has dwindled over the years um, that, that, that then I still feel like I've got that gift in the kitty. <laughs> we still put the money in the kitty, which buys the the kind of flowers and things like that, which is nice because it, it feels that that sort mm. of comes together. But I think whether it is, you know, there's people that are coming out of relationships, there is people that have lost loved ones. There's also, um, you know, the whole empty nesting syndrome. And, you know, I, I know myself, I've got teenage girls, I'm a single mom. Um, they're growing up. My my nineteen year old's off away abroad at the moment, and um, I think when the dynamics start to change there, where they get boyfriends and partners, and and then want to have Christmas elsewhere, mm. then that, there's a change in balance there as well, isn't there? In terms of you feeling not, you know, the loneliness kicking in yeah. of actually the dynamics are changing. So there's lots of different aspects of it, um, but I think it is how you learn to connect with yourself during the, those times and actually filling your own cup up and finding things that that help you as yeah. an individual. Yeah, because I think if you don't do that, if you don't put any attention on what you need, then you end up just probably sitting with all the thoughts of what's not there anymore, the fact it's changed, the fact that that person isn't there, that all whatever it is that's happened to you, you end up then feeling quite stuck really. And I think that's something that can happen if we don't pay attention to the what are you going to do about it yeah I was actually out walking with my friend early this morning and, and we were t- I was talking about two words which is uh, rejection and abandonment and um, those are two words that come up quite a lot actually in terms of loneliness and it's not always um, rejection you know even loss brings feelings of of abandonment um, yeah. And if you're not invited somewhere, so, you know, if you're single and people are having a couple's dinner party and you don't get invited or, you know, I remember actually when I first got um, divorced of couples party happening, uh, sort of dinner parties and things like that around the Christmas time. And neither of us being invited because people didn't want to take sides. So therefore, then you're both sort of like feeling that. The, that feeling of rejection so rejection doesn't necessarily have to be a feeling when you know like a relationship's ended no, or not just that in a feeling com- that comes yeah, up yeah. so for me I'm often going right what's the 
so I personally work with a plan A, plan B. So um, I kind of go, here's the plan A of what I think I would like to happen this Christmas. But, you know, if the kids decide that they're going to go off to the dads for a week because they've got stuff going on here or they're going to friends or they're having sleepovers, what is my plan B? So that I'm always looking after and I'm not feeling lost, alone, abandoned, rejected um, to actually just have that plan B in for myself. I think it's really important that we're talking about these things at Christmas time, because this is this sort of dilemma that I think people are in is that we aren't necessarily being honest with how we might be feeling. So then we don't put anything in place because we're so busy looking at the dream Christmas on TV and all the stuff that people create. And actually, you know, it isn't like that at all. And I think something else that I've thought of a few things as you were talking there is about that relationship you've got with yourself around expectations. I think it's so important, isn't it? Again, the scenario would be you've got a grown-up family now and then people are going to partners, families, and you're now not going. And how do you manage all of that? And how some people feel very stretched, don't they? They're trying to see that person on Christmas morning and then that person for dinner and then that person in the afternoon. And it just is exhausting, for just one day, believe it or not. <laughs> well, that's what I often used to kind of, that was one of my strategies if I was ever in that situation. We think, hang on, it's just one day. Surely we just stretch the whole thing out and just see people across the holiday period and not be obsessed with this one day that we must, must, must fit ourselves and be in 10 places at once. Totally. Um, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And I think, you know, as much as we can unpick that pressure on ourselves to go, you know what, it's actually okay to say, I'm not seeing you on Christmas Day, I'm going to see you Christmas Eve or Christmas or Boxing Day, or even, you know, it, that lull that we have in between um, Christmas and New Year, where we go from being like fully, fully charged and fully yeah. under pressure. So then actually we do create ourselves a bit of a void very, very often. Yeah. And that has its own, um, you know, emotions and things that come up sometimes at, at that time. So I think it is about putting it all into perspective, isn't it? And, I think uh, so. And I think it's, um, you know, again, often people feel lost when you talk about that lull period in between. And if you're not going into work, people do need to have something to kind of structure, a little mini structure. But I think one of the things I like to talk about is that internal chit chat, the obligations, the shoulds, the oughts, I must do it. I've always done this. You know, no one else is going to do it if I don't. And it, and. When we get sort of underneath that, when we sort of lift the lid on that, it's not actually often true. You know, people often aren't expecting you to to do Christmas or, uh, you know, if you actually have the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to come that day, not this day. Most people are like, okay. I mean, obviously there'll be some kickback. It's about some. opening up conversations, as is everything in life, of actually not, like you say, having the courage, not, not sitting in the fear that you're going to be judged if you step up and say, how do you feel? Doesn't necessarily have to be going. I'm doing this. How do you feel if we switch up this year and we do, you know, we work it a slightly different way? What you will potentially find is that the other person or the other people involved in that are actually quite relieved that you've come up with a suggestion because they're yeah. feeling the same. But nobody's actually opened the conversation up to to have it in the first place. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? It's just being able to sort of speak up 
And I use the word courage a lot in what I talk about because, you know, courage, yes, it's going to be, it's going to feel a bit scary if you, for the first time in 20 years, you're going to suggest something different. But as you say, sometimes it's a relief. And I think the other thing that I always think about is if they are people who genuinely care about you and you've explained maybe, you know, you don't, we don't have to justify why we're asking for this, but maybe explained why this might work better for you. If they care about you, Generally, most people will go, of course, of course, you need to do that. If they don't, if they are judgy, I mean, I, you know, again, this was a bit of my experience. I used to get judged for it. They don't really caring for me at all. They're just talking about themselves and they're feeling bothered. And I think it's having the courage to stand in your own truth, isn't it? I mean, that's our whole thing about our affirmations, isn't it, Naomi, about standing in your truth, being, I mean, my hoodie says here, I'm being me. You know, if, if I'm not being me, then I'm probably doing things for other people that actually isn't right. And I think I think what that comes from where you mentioned then about, you know, somebody stepping up and actually, you know, feeling uncomfortable, having the courage and, and speaking and saying that is the other person. If they do react badly, it's probably because you're triggering their wounds in terms of rejection and abandonment of them taking it about them instead of looking at the situation of you and how that dynamic is. So it's kind of like, you know, if somebody says to you, I'm not going to come for Christmas um, because it's easier for me to be able to, to come to do boxing day or something else, them going, what's wrong with me? Why don't they want to come to Christmas, you know, with me? Did they not enjoy themselves last year? Have, you know, and actually internalizing that. So yeah. I think it's advice to people on the on both ends of knowing that you know if somebody says something like that it's not you don't take yeah. it personally that it's you um it's just about having the conversation and, and and both being human beings with our own you know beliefs and and needs and wants and and all of that kind of stuff and it's a judgment is something that i talk about a lot inner judgment and external judgment um because you know as much as other you feel judged by other people, our internal critics that play out are yeah. sometimes the worst. happening. They I do have a little mind monk. We all have mind monkeys, um, don't we, that sit on our shoulder telling us what we should, you know, the, that word should, what we should be doing, or we're not doing good enough, or all of that, even down to, so I, I joke and, and I'm, I don't want to offend anybody because I'm going to say the name of my mind monkey. It's nothing personal if anybody's called Felicity, but I, I, did name my mind monkey a few years ago, Felicity. Um, and she's an absolute pain in the bum. Um, because she's a super, she's a massive perfectionist and she has to have everything absolutely perfect. Nothing's ever good enough. Um, and thankfully over the years, I have silenced, <laughs> silenced her a lot. Um, so again, if you have got that sort of inner dialogue playing out, is sometimes giving it a bit of an identity. Yeah. I can I can identify when she's playing out, when she wants me to rewrap the Christmas presents because they don't match wherever I'm going or the bows aren't done perfectly, which you'll know I, I love bows <laughs> because I create them with my products all the time. But she is a massive perfectionist. And even in the office now, I joke and I go, right, Felicity's taking over now. So we just need to <laughs> just need to go and have a cuppa and, um, and carry on because yeah. she quite an extreme perfectionist so mm. I think it is sometimes about identifying that inner critic giving it a bit of an identity and being able to tell it to be quiet yeah. because it's not actually helpful it's not helping you in any way shape or form 
I think that I, I love that. And I've done a lot of that with in my work myself and others. And I share, don't mind sharing with you. I had mine at some point were like <clears throat> three little kids and, and they were only ever allowed to come on my days out or come out with me if they were quiet in the back seat. You know, they were, I would have this whole dialogue with, with these three little kids that were really naughty and really giving me a hard time. But I think coming back to your point, which I think is really powerful, is the when we feel upset, offended, uh, rejected, as you say, abandoned by other people's behaviours. You know, I always talk about that emotional brain that is connected to all of your inner beliefs is five times quicker than anything that's logical. Yeah. So when someone says, oh, can I talk to you about Christmas? <clears throat> It's it's like, boom, oh my gosh, it's there. That response is there. And what I always talk about, talk about this in leadership, in uh, teamwork and individually is just being able to just manage that little bit of feeling and then we can think a bit straighter, then we can think a little bit more. But if we respond with that feeling, that's where you go to the, oh, I've been rejected, that oh, they don't like me anymore. Oh, they must have had a horrible time last year because the brain makes up things when it hasn't got anything in there. And I think actually, if you do need to have a conversation about Christmas, instead of saying, I need to talk about Christmas, which then I'll go, yeah. or get defences up of going, I've been thinking about Christmas and then move quite quickly into it of, I've been thinking about Christmas and I feel this year for me, yeah. it will be better and do make it about you. About you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good strategy, isn't it? Um, so, And the same goes for present giving, doesn't it? Because that's always a tricky one as well when, um, particularly in family dynamics where you've got different, you know, maybe different um, financial capabilities, let's, let's say that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one person in the family might be thinking absolutely dreading the thought of Christmas because of the expectation that they know, they feel that they need to give the gifts that other people are giving them and and the giving receiving bit and, and, and all yeah. of that. So I think that's equally allowing yourself to be open and, and you know, being able to think about things that maybe just a, a little bit thoughtful as mm. opposed to expensive and or none at all and going, do you know what, this year I'm just not in a position to be able to to do it. Um, but again, it's about conversation, isn't it? It's about communication. Yeah. It's about, you know, be having the courage to be able to, to have those conversations. And equally, if somebody does want to get, so say if you're in a position where, you know, you literally can't afford Christmas because you've just got, you know, your fam family to prioritise uh, in terms of your kids or, you know, people that maybe if you've got younger children that kind of won't understand so much that Santa hasn't been or whatever else, but then actually speaking to other members of the family to go, you know, if they still want to give to you, actually that's absolutely fine. It doesn't have to always be unequal. You know, I think sometimes the pressure of, well, she's spending that much on me, so I need to spend that much on her, of actually ditching a little bit of that because it's, you know, it's not what Christmas is all about, let's face it. Um, so I think, again, it's just about the communication lines there, isn't it? Yeah, it feels to me like almost like permission. You know, give yourself permission for it to be okay to buy whatever or 
treat somebody in a different way. You know, be I think we've become a bit better at being more creative around gifts. But I do also know that there are so many people who have this sort of idea in their head that they need to spend, you know, a hundred pound on each person. And it's, it's, is it realistic? It, it probably isn't. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are very worried about money. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I think Christmas just puts a great big hole in what they're already worried about. Yeah, exactly. So let's have a little think. We've, we've done a few as we've been going along, a few little tips but a few of our tips, and I think one of the ones that I know we've talked about before is is that being okay with taking some time out if you've got a house full of people or a big massive schedule of of um, social activities or whatever we want to call them across the Christmas period, but actually giving yourself permission and creating the space to just be on your own or go for that walk or do something that have that bath in the middle of the day if you want to, something that you almost wouldn't normally do. And I know you definitely like to talk about people doing that kind of thing. 100%. Um, And it's something, the reason why I like to talk about it a lot is because something I never used to do. So if you'd met me probably 10, 15 years ago, I was such a massive people pleaser. I had no personal boundaries in place at all. Um, and it's actually exhausting. Um, and everything I did was I, I had the need for external validation all of the time. I was quite a drama queen. And 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 I I actually used to probably place my happiness on everybody else's responsibility. So I used to make it everybody's responsibility to, to make me happy. And if they've upset me, then I'm unhappy. Um, and over the years, I've done a huge amount of self-development work and, you know, understand and create my own inner happy and know that it is fully my responsibility to step into my own happiness. And that's where a lot of my routines and um, my own personal boundaries have come in. I was actually laughing a bit this morning because I've been so busy at work for the last few weeks, obviously, because we're doing you know products that are busy around Christmas time, um, well, all year round, but particularly busy at, um, yeah. at the moment with Christmas and sales and, and all of that kind of stuff that I've let some of my own personal self-care drop off a bit. And I've felt anxiety coming in. So I couldn't sleep last night and I woke up in the early hours feeling really anxious. And I do a lot of um, breath work, meditation, um, cold water therapy, all of that. So in the the middle of the night, I was doing some breath work and meditation and I've had a freezing cold shower this morning, which I know is not everybody's cup of tea, but I know that is really good for me. It will silence any anxiety that's coming up. It will literally level me and make me okay. I've done my journaling and I've, I've done some cards and I have, I will nail today because I'm going into the day with my own cup filled up in my own way. And that's different for, for everybody. I know that. Um, but it's about finding the things that, that work for you. You mentioned getting outside and walking in nature. Um, as a child, that's something I hated to do. My dad said we were going to go for a walk. I thought it was like the most terrible thing. Um, why would you want to walk when you could just sit and watch TV all day? But now I love nothing more than, you know, wrapping up and getting out on a walk. I've been out this morning walking, colder the better for me. And connecting with nature, because sometimes the smallest things, you know, it's free, isn't it? We don't need any money for that. We can breathe in that lovely um, you know, fresh air and experience nature in, in many forms, whether that's by water, even if it's just down the street, you know, and, and when doing that, um, I like to practice a lot of mindfulness. So even just like um, 
you know, people people perceive meditation that you've got to kind of sit in a meditation stance. And um, although I do have a Buddha in front of me, I don't sit with a Buddha um, to meditate. You can meditate while you're out walking. You can literally just stop, look at a leaf, um, look at all the details. You know, I love it when it's really frosty and you can see a spider's web and you can actually see all the intricate details of all of that. Of actually just focusing and helping yourself to silence your mind um, and to bring you back to self. So thinking about, you know, the things that you want to do and the, and how you're feeling and really checking in with yourself. So walking in nature for me is massive. But mm-hmm. equally, if you don't want to walk in nature, you know, sitting in front of a fire, if you haven't got a fire, I sometimes put a YouTube clip on my TV that is a fire because you get that whole crackling sound. Mm-hmm. So something I would do, to help myself in between Christmas and New Year if I needed to recharge. Yes, I'd walk in nature and I'd do my cold and all of that. But I actually might just allow myself to snuggle up with my duvet and watch Christmas movies because that is something I, I'm i on the go all the time. Like, I just never stop. So that is so unlike me to do something like that, that that would probably feel like a real treat for me yeah. to, to actually stop and, yeah, and me too. watch some Christmas movies. I think it's making sure that whatever it is that you want to do, that you can prioritise individually yourselves. Because I think there's so many people out there who are just giving and doing for everyone else all of the time, particularly at Christmas, you know, if if people are mums and dads and all that whole thing going on. And I think it is just being okay with, like you say, just down tools and just go and permission to. And I think that's where we lose, with the pressure of Christmas, we lose that there is going to be a little bit of not the routine. So let's embrace it. Let's do the sitting on the sofa and watching two movies on the trot, if that's what you want to do, or, you know, giving yourself permission. That feels to me like a sort of strong thing. So we've got courage around maybe speaking up and then we've got giving yourself permission to just say, do you know what? I don't need to do anything else today. People often say to me, oh, I couldn't possibly do nothing. But I often say, well, you're never doing nothing, are you? You're doing something. And the something is that nourishing, loving, self-care type of activity. Yeah. And it, and it is that. And I think in the stopping and the silencing, I'm trying to think of the lovely Donna Ashworth, the poet. She's got um, a quote that she says, un- unstoppable, they said. But it was actually in the stopping that she found her power. Um and it, and it is that, that actually when we can stop and really connect with ourselves, and, and you talk about, and I talk about a lot, going within and actually looking at yourself. And when we're in this busy mode, we can't possibly hear ourselves thinking in, in action. Um, and particularly around the Christmas period when you've got other, you know, there's not just like your internal chatter, you've got, you know, generally other people around you, or if not, you're getting information and a lot of, you know, messages around this whole perfectionism thing oh, yeah literally wherever you look even you know on on socials on telly every time you you know if you walk through the shop it, it, it's it's everywhere isn't it so uh-uh. I think that can can often feel um overwhelming and, and and we use that word pressure yeah again we've used it a lot haven't we? yeah i think for me it's about whatever so here we are we're a few weeks in before christmas now 
It's about just pausing and noticing, okay, what is actually going on for me right now? Am I kind of gliding into Christmas and I'm quite organized and I'm really looking forward to it? Or have I got this internal anxiety? And what is causing that? Is it pressure that is self-pressure that's unnecessary and you could actually reduce a bit of that? Is it because you're doing things that you don't want to do? I mean, I talk about when you say yes to something that you don't want to do, and you then feel really annoyed and angry with yourself or upset with the other person. I call those dirty yeses. Because, dirty yeah. <laughs> That's a great word. Yeah, but it, but they are, though, aren't they? Yeah, because what you actually mean is no, but you just get, you can see yourself nodding your head and going, yeah, we can do that. And every part of you goes, I really, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And as soon as you then pick up the why, did I do that? And then you cross with yourself or you cross with the other person or you feel resentful then that's a dirty yes. You should not have said yes. You might have said, I can't today, but I could then. Or there's alternatives to saying no, because I know some people are terrified of saying no for fear of rejection, the fear of what will people think, for fear that people think that you're no good because you've said no. But actually, again, those nice, safe boundaries that say, do you know what? I can't do that today. Then if when you do say yes, it's a nice, clean yes. Absolutely. I love that. (laughs) Nice. So anyone listening in today, it's just about having a little mini assess of kind of where are you? Because when we don't do the mini assess, if we are really super anxious, we're not present. We're not going to create the memories that we want to have for Christmas, whether that is just sitting watching movies. That's certainly on my list. I am going for the sitting with my duvet on the sofa for definite. Um, But I think we can then enjoy it and it being the whole thing. And I think that's where we need to pay a little bit more attention. Yeah. Any other last little tips that you really... For me, it would be boundaries and plan B. So in terms of just making sure that you are keeping aligned with with your own personal boundaries, um, of which which aligns with your your dirty and clean yeses for sure. Um but equally in that, your kind of self-care boundaries of whether that's a you know a hot soak in the bath after a busy day or the night before you know you're going to have a busy day or when you put the kids to bed before you start cleaning the house and cooking and everything else that you literally just take that time whether it's a walk around the block or um you know snuggling up on the sofa for 10 minutes and having a cup of tea but actually doing that consciously and being present mm-hmm. in that that you're really not just you know doing five gazillion things while you're having that cup of tea of just sitting and being and maybe just kind of connecting and just go what is it I need right now um you know whether you do that in the morning or the evening just spending those it can you know it can be just under a minute to be able to just sit and go what does you know I would go what does Naomi need today um and and just sort of thinking of that and then having a plan b so if you do feel you know that expectations are there go with your plan a but always just have a bit of a backup plan so that you're not then going into um you know any feelings of, of aloneness and a rejection, abandonment, that type of stuff, a plan B is always a good option. Yeah, I like that. I think it is important, isn't it? Because we set such rigid expectations. And then when we're dealing with other people or things, I mean, the weather sometimes can be the thing that stops people doing things. You know, if there's snow or there's ice or something, it's always not being so disappointed. I mean, I can remember, you know, you, you talked before about your 
for myself. You know, I would have been so disappointed if something didn't go to plan, like devastated. And and it just doesn't serve you, does it? Because stuff will happen. Life isn't... Life's uncertain, isn't it? And, yeah. You know, I, I talk about actually lockdown a lot. Of, of We all lived through uncertainty. We all had to get really comfortable with uncertainty. And it's only the same thing. Like life is uncertain. Um, and we put these expectations on, but actually anything could happen tomorrow, this afternoon, in the next 10 minutes. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. So I think the more we can get uncomfortable, get uh, not uncomfortable, the more we can get comfortable with uncertainty, um, the better. And if you do, if you are a little bit like me that likes to have like, um, I like a plan, I like a list, I like, I like all of that stuff, which is why I like to have my plan A and my plan B, because then it just gives me that that layer to kind of fall on, if you like it, if I do plummet a little bit, if, you know, I'm meant to be going out and, and plans get cancelled last minute, where that I'm not going to, um, you know, I spend quite a lot of time um, alone. Um, if my if my daughters are, are going off and, and doing stuff, um, I've got a lot of friends, so I'm very lucky. But it's sometimes if a plan doesn't go to plan, then it is going to be alone. But actually, I never feel alone as I am because I've learned to really love myself and connect with my own inner happiness. But as long as you're aware of that and, and know that, you know, I'll know straight away, well, it's all right, because if that happens, I'm going to literally sit do some journaling, I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to have a hot bath, or I'm going to go and do something else. Um, but just being having options, I would say, of leaving a few plan B options in place. I think so. I think as well, it's just noticing, isn't it? If you don't feel right, as soon as you can notice, I mean, I talk about this so much, is as soon as you can notice that you're just feeling a bit low or a bit anxious, Anytime, but particularly this time of year, because it will feel more exaggerated. Just think about a lot of the things we've talked about today and just what's your one thing that you're going to do? What is it that you're going to do? This Rather than sit with that horrible feeling at this time of year, I would urge people to go and find something else. Other times of year, I sometimes urge people to sit with their uncomfortable feelings because there's so much goodness come, come out of there. But I would say for this time of year, go and do that nourishing thing or that reach out to someone else. And I think while we're on that subject, it is worth mentioning that this time of year, with all the additional pressures and um, to be to conform and have this perfect life, if you are struggling, reaching out and getting help. So, um, you know, I'm very well aware in, in the work that I do, and, and as are you, Alison, with the work that you do, that um, there are some incredible, incredible charities um, out there that can help and support you. So if you are struggling, please do use one of the amazing helplines. So for me, it will be um, Samaritans under 35. There's an incredible um, charity called Papyrus, which you, they have Hope Line as the line. Um, Andy's Man Club, they meet seven o'clock on a Monday. Every Monday they don't do bank holidays, but apart from that, but the, I have a big signposting section mm. um, on my website. And what I would say is, you know, speak to a, a family or friend member. If you can't speak to a family or a friend member, make sure that you reach out and and contact one of the one of the amazing charity lines. I think that's a brilliant reminder. And we'll put all of those in the show notes so that people can click straight through if they do feel the need to speak to someone else because you won't be the only one. And Absolutely. I think that's something so important to remember. 
And the other thing I want to mention with that as well, there is a perception that if you are worried about somebody else, which very often happens, you know, I have a lot of people that reach out to me to say I'm worried about a family member. They don't know that they can actually contact those same helplines. So it's not just if you are struggling, you can also contact those help helplines if you are worried about somebody to get hands-on advice of what to say, how to cope with the situation uh, and all of that. So I know a lot of people have said to me, well, I don't want to waste the time. You're not wasting their time. That is exactly what they are there to do and help you with. Brilliant. That's a great reminder because I think it is worrying uh, when you've got somebody that you're really, really worried about. And I think family members do need to feel, our friends do need to feel they've got somewhere they can go to. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing this space with me. It's been lovely to be here. So thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So this is our last episode of 2023. We are rolling and having a little mini break from Creating Mental Wealth our podcast and we'll be back in January. So I just want to wish everyone a really, really happy time, whatever that might be, small, big or indifferent and all the things that Naomi and I have talked about today. I want to also thank everyone for listening during this period. We've been running this podcast since May this year and we've created 30 episodes and I'm so grateful to everyone who has listened in and to all my wonderful guests. But thank you, Naomi, for today and have a wonderful Christmas too. You too. Thank you for listening and sharing in this episode of Mental Wealth. Remember, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. My last question to you is what is the one small thing that you can take action on from this episode? Message me on Instagram or through our website with questions you'd like me to explore. You'll find the links in the show notes. I'll be back with more tools and tips to make sense of your mind in the next episode. In the meantime, be kind to yourself. Bye for now.